The following message is from Life Source Christian Church MP3 Audio Lounge. More information about Life Source is available at lifesource.org.au. Fantastic. I don't think that word means what you think it means. You know, it may come as a surprise to you, but the Bible can easily be misinterpreted. And there are many verses that don't actually mean what many people think it really means. And today we're going to look at one of those verses. It's a verse that is well known both inside the church and well known outside the church. And it is found in Matthew chapter 7, starting from the first verse. And it says this, Do not judge, or you too will be judged. Who's heard that verse before? I think probably everybody in some context has heard that verse before. And, and, but often you often hear it with a bit more attitude. Don't judge me. Who are you to judge me? Because you're going to be judged yourself. And so even the world ascribes to, to, they might not ascribe to the rest of the Bible, but this one, the, the world ascribes to. And so the title of my message today is this, Do Not Judge. But the subtitle is this, I don't think it means what you think it means. If you're taking notes, write that down. How about we pray? Father, I thank you, Lord God, that your word is a sharp two-edged sword. And Lord, we invite you just to speak to us about this topic of judging. And Lord, that you would use the words that you put on my lips, Lord, that they would be filtered by your Holy Spirit and into each and every heart, Lord, giving you all glory. We pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. So the world ascribes to this uh, way of thinking of do not judge, don't they? Because in, in our current society, you're not allowed to hold a different view or to have a different value judgment because you might be shot down. And we've certainly seen that in recent weeks and months regarding this marriage survey where people who hold a differing view to what mainstream media says we're supposed to be uh, believing or saying and people are just getting shot down and slandered and it's been really terrible and our Western culture tells us to tolerate everything. Do not judge me. Do not judge my belief system. Our Western culture says that you have no right to say whether something is right or wrong. And if we're honest with ourselves, being judged is a terrible feeling. It is. Nobody likes to be judged. Nobody likes to be wrongly judged in particular. In my 20s, all the way through my 20s, I was single and certainly I felt judged whenever I was visiting a, a, another ministry or another church. And as a single young man, people are suspicious. What's, what's his intent? Is he a wolf in sheep's clothing? Has he come to pick up a girl? Why is that single guy here? And so people wrongly judge me when in fact my intent was there to worship God, to, to be at church. And so I've certainly felt wrongly judged before. I'm sure you have as well. And it is a terrible feeling. But it is also probably the main reason that people aren't interested in church. Unfortunately, Christians and the church have judged people so harshly that they just turn their back on God and go, this is not what I've signed up for. Yeah. Christians can be so judgmental. They can be so narrow-minded. Hypocrites. And so... There is a lost and dying world out there that don't want to engage in a loving God because it, he's been misrepresented, being misrepresented by churches and Christians who choose to judge them rather than the alternative. 
And so we're going to go a little bit deeper and look at the rest of these verses. Matthew 7, 1 says, Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So if we're supposed to understand this at face value, is this, is this exactly what Jesus meant? Is he saying, under no circumstances are you to judge other people? Is that what he's saying? Is he saying that a teacher or a lecturer has no right to judge whether an essay is worth a C or an A? Are they able to say, you know, you weren't right here, this wasn't quite right, you could have rephrased this correctly. Who are they to judge my essay like that? They have no right to judge me. Is that where judgment is allowed or not? Is Jesus saying that if it's at face value, is he saying that a jury has no right to declare whether somebody is innocent or guilty? Is that where the judgment line, is that, is that what Jesus is saying at face value? Is he saying that if I choose to drive down the right-hand side of the road, that a police officer has no right to judge me and tell me that I'm driving on the wrong side of the road? Of course not. Of course not. Jesus is not saying that our lives should be void of being judged or having an opinion. So where is the judgment line? What should we judge and what shouldn't we judge? Let's start with an easy one. The person you happen to be sitting next to has a really weird haircut. Are you allowed to Don't look at them. Are you allowed to judge them for that? What, what, if, what if they want to, you know, put in the back of their hair, like shave into the back of their head a bad word? Are you, are you allowed to judge them for that? What if that person is your child? Are you allowed to judge them for that? What about somebody who wants to get a tattoo? I don't know what your thoughts and feelings are towards tattoos, but what if somebody wants to get a tattoo? Are you allowed to judge them for that? But what if, what if that tattoo is of a naked woman? Are you supposed to judge them for that? What if that is your child, your 18-year-old son, who wants to get a tattoo of a naked woman? Are you allowed to judge him for that? What about a random guy in your workplace? Don't know him that well, but... You know that he's a married man and you also observe that he's very flirty and talks inappropriately to other women. Are you allowed to judge him? What if he's in your connect group and you know him and you say that you love him and that he's your brother in Christ? Are you allowed to judge him if he was flirty and married, flirting with other women? What about our Western culture? Our Western culture says that when it comes to the topic of sex, Anything is permissible. You can be with whoever you want, do whatever you want with them. It's all okay as long as there's consent. And the world will say that. But what if there's a 12-year-old that gives consent? Is, where's the judgment line on that one? Well, what if the child is yours? Where's the judgment line there? There must be some level where it is right and proper for a judgment to be made. And the answer is, of course there is, but it is in the way that we make that judgment. It's the way in which we make that judgment. And so when we read this verse in Matthew chapter 7, and it says, do not judge, it's more than just face value. What we need to do is interpret the Bible in context. And by that I mean we need to see what is written before that verse, what is written after that verse. 
We need to understand who the audience is that was spoken to. We need to understand how that verse is interpreted through the filter of the New Testament and the cross. And we also need to see what other verses in the Bible about that subject are saying to get a fuller understanding of what Jesus is really saying here. So we've been looking at Matthew chapter 7. What's before Matthew chapter 7? Matthew 6, we have the right answer. That was not a trick question. What about what's before Matthew chapter 6? Chapter 5. Okay, Matthew chapter 5, chapter 6, and chapter 7 is one of the more famous uh, sermons. Well, it is the most famous sermon that Jesus delivered. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. Who's heard the Sermon on the Mount before? You've probably heard that term. And so in Matthew chapter 6, there's a topic that Jesus starts to raise. And he says this. He says, now, when you give... Don't give like the hypocrites. And he tells them about how to give. And then he says, and when you pray, don't, don't pray like the hypocrites. And when you fast, don't fast like the hypocrites. And so there is one of the main themes going from Matthew chapter 6 through to Matthew chapter 7 about hypocrisy. Further on, we read in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus is telling them, watch out for false prophets. And so by uh, definition, if somebody is to be a false prophet, we, we would have made a judgment call to decide whether a person who claims to be a prophet is a true prophet or a false prophet. So clearly Jesus is not saying under no circumstances whatsoever should you pass a judgment on anything ever. Clearly he's not saying that. He's talking about hypocrisy. He's telling us to be careful Jesus is not saying to never judge under any circumstance. Jesus is not saying that we should live without discernment. Jesus is not saying that we never give advice to other believers. He's saying that we need to be really careful and never judge hypocritically. So if we're going to read a bit more context here, uh, Matthew 7, I'm going to start again. Do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Already, can you see that when we read a verse out of context that says, do not judge, it means way more than merely at face value what that says. So what Jesus is saying, don't start to pick apart other people when you have your own undealt issues, when there's things in your own life that need to be sorted out. So the question is raised this morning. So how do we judge? And what we're going to do is we're going to, look at scripture, other passages in the Bible, and use scripture to help other parts of the Bible, to use this verse to work out what does it mean to judge? How are we supposed to judge if we are to judge at all? How do we, we're going to interpret scripture with scripture. And so I've got four guidelines for judging this morning. And the first is this, is that we never judge superficially. We never judge superficially. I grew up in the 80s and 90s, and uh, my dad he was one of those 
guys who would love to go down to the shed and tinker in his shed and do all sorts of things. And, you know, he'd, uh, on the weekends he'd be mowing the lawns and doing the gardens and fixing this up and changing this and inventing a different way to feed the birds and all sorts of funny things like that. And my dad would dress in his old work clothes. And when I say old, I mean really old, and I also mean really dirty and possibly really smelly, depending on how long it had been before they were washed. And so my dad, at home, he'd be doing all this handyman work around the house, and he looked like a bit of a dag, I'll be honest. But much to the horror of his children, particularly my sister, who had manifested the thought that her father would sometimes go out in public dressed like that and down to the shops or out to the hardware store before Bunnings was invented. And dad would go out, he wouldn't care, he would go out and do his thing. And much to our horror, our dad has gone out and he looks like a homeless man. Superficial first, first impressions... I have to agree, he looked like a homeless man. He did not look like the well-adjusted Christian family man who worked as an engineer during the week. He looked like a homeless man. And so first impressions can be very superficial and misleading. It was easy to judge my dad that way. But look at what Jesus says in John chapter 7, verse 24. It says, Stop judging by mere appearances, but instead judge correctly. So already here, we see Jesus is saying that we should never... Jesus isn't saying that we should never judge someone. We just need to be really careful. We need to make sure that we don't make a judgment call when you don't know what's going on in that person's life. You can't judge me if you don't fully understand, you know, what I might be going through right now or what my past has been. You can't superficially judge someone at face value just like that. Maybe you've seen somebody and you've observed that they are very wealthy and you see them being so flamboyant with their finances and foolish with their finances. I can't believe that they're willing to throw money to that and to be so ridiculous with what God has entrusted them with. But no, 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 no. Do you really know what they're doing with their finances? Maybe they are actually being such a fantastic steward with the finances that God has given them, blessing all sorts of people in all sorts of ways that you have no idea about. Or what about that woman you've seen in the supermarket and, and she's pushing in and she's being rude to the assistant and she has this horrible demeanor of a, on her face and you feel like judging in her and saying, that's a terrible person. She seems like a terrible person. But hey, maybe... Maybe she's been dealing with stuff. And maybe for the last month or more, she's been visiting a hospital too, three times a day to visit her terminal parent who's dying. And, you know, she's been going through hell and back. And she's merely at the supermarket simply because somebody needs to put food on the table. And she just wants to get in there and out of there as quickly as possible. How quick we can be to judge somebody superficially. We need to have a relationship with people before we even start to consider judging another person. Otherwise, we're just judging superficially. And when I say relationship, I don't mean somebody that you say hi to on Sunday. I don't even mean somebody that's in your connect group that you you talk with at a surface level. I mean somebody where you're willing to go deep with and really willing to be real with and really have a proper, meaningful relationship with. Otherwise, it can just be superficial. 
So Jesus teaches us to never judge superficially. Paul teaches us this, number two, to never judge hypocritically. Never judge hypocritically. In Romans 2, Paul is saying to them, Hey guys, when you're pointing out the sins of other people, you need to take a good hard look at yourself because you've got the very same sin in your own life. Let's read it from Romans 2. It says, You may think you can condemn such people, but you are just as bad. And you have no excuse. When you say they are wicked and should be punished, you are condemning yourself. For you who judge others do these very same things. Goes on in verse 4, and this is where he changes tone. He says, but don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? Paul's pointing out that how often it is that we are willing to accuse somebody else and excuse ourselves. That's our tendency, isn't it? We tend to accuse others but excuse ourselves. But your harshest judgments often reveal your deepest weaknesses. You may know there is a, quite a well-known church in our city called Hillsong Church. Senior pastor there is... His name is Brian Houston. And we're in the same movement as then. We're friends with that church. But a few years ago, when the Royal Commission into Institutional Child Abuse was being run, Hillsong and Brian were asked to come and stand before that commission because Brian's father, had, it came out, had been a pedophile. And Brian was the leader of the movement at the time and had to deal with that. He fired his own father. And he believes that he did the right thing to try and... Uh, make sure that this would never happen again and that everything was covered. And the commission said, look, you tried your best, but there's a few things that you could have done better. And Brian, he agreed. He said, look, I regret that I didn't do this. In ignorance, I didn't do that. And so he was very clear and upfront about it. But A Current Affair, there was a particular reporter from A Current Affair, just one of them, who felt that he really needed to really damaged the name of Hillsong Church and damaged the name of Brian Houston. And so he did his utmost to really tear them to shreds and, and to, to bring to light how bad they were and that they were encouraging pedophilia. And, and all sorts of wicked and terrible things were spoken against them. And then he was able to do this over a number of years. So several times a year, a current affair would run a story about how bad Hillsong Church was and how bad Brian Houston was because of what Brian's father had done. What turned out? was just a few months ago that very same reporter was exposed as a pedophile himself. How sad. He, he uh, pleaded guilty to child pornography. And so the man who was a self-appointed champion to protect, pedophile, to protect the society from pedophiles was himself a hypocrite and a pedophile himself. How sad. If I'm quick to judge someone else in a particular area, then that is a potential flag that there may be an issue in my own life that is not right in that same area. So we need to be careful. If we're prepared to point the finger of judgment, we're going to talk about how to do that soon, but if we're prepared to even raise a judgment against somebody else, just check your own spirit, check what's going on in here, Say, God, is this, do I need to deal this with in my life first before I raise it? Do I need to make sure I get the plank 
out of my own eye first before I raise it with them. You know, this is a big problem in our world. Our culture on one hand condemns one thing, but at the same time praises another. It's so such a double standard. Our world is such a hypocritical judge. Recently, Hugh Hefner, who passed away, has been praised as being such a wonderful person for what he did to women. But at the same time, there's Harvey Weinstein, and he's being condemned for what he's done to women. This is all in the same ballpark. What a double standard the world will hold to. We need to make sure that we're not like the world by being hypocritical. We need to make sure that we never judge superficially. We need to make sure we never judge hypocritically. And number three, never hold non-Christians to Christian standards. Never hold non-Christians to Christian standards. Those who are outside the family of God should not be held to the same standard as those inside the family of God. 1 Corinthians 5 verse 12 says this, What business is it of mine to judge those outside the church? This is the Apostle Paul he's talking. He's saying, what business is it of mine to judge those people who are not part of the family of God? Who am I to tell them that they should be living a different way? goes on to say this, Are you not to judge those inside? God will judge those outside. So as believers... Doesn't God want us to sharpen one another as, as iron sharpens iron? Aren't we supposed to help each other? Aren't we supposed to lovingly uh, help each other to be better? Aren't we supposed to spur one another on to good works, to gently restore people who fall, to help other family members, to be there for each other? In my family, we have a certain standard. There is language and words that we will not use. There are TV shows that we will not watch. There are movies that we will not watch. There are books and uh, articles that we will not read and indulge in. And they are the standards of my family. But if I go to your kids and say, no, you shouldn't be doing this and no, you shouldn't be doing that, I, I can't do that. Your family is your family. It's not my family. So many people walk away from pursuing God because of the judgmentalism that can be found in church amongst Christian believers. And can I just get a little real and a little bit raw with you, get ready to say amen or ouch. I don't know about you, but I would love it if our church was a little more messy. If, if it was more okay for people who are not even saved or maybe newly saved to, to come here and, and not feel judged and, 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 and be okay with, you know what, there's stuff in their lives, like some serious stuff. Maybe it's on the surface, maybe it's deeper down, but stuff that just needs to be sorted out and, and let God sort it out rather than the judgment of the church or judgment of Christians to say, nah, you shouldn't be doing that. I want to be the kind of Christian leader who has the faith to believe that God will actually change people himself. Because some people just aren't ready to be judged because well, what happens is they get driven away. They go, I did not sign up for this. I would love to see people who felt that they could belong, even if their behavior and even if their beliefs didn't quite match up with what God's standard is. Wouldn't it be okay if our church was just a little bit more messy? A, a little bit more organic? A, a little bit more okay with people 
who have got problems and whether it's manifest on a Sunday or not, that they are still loved and still welcomed rather than judged and rejected. I wonder how many people don't come to our church anymore because they felt judged. Ouch. I'm just being real and honest with you guys. We are not to judge those outside the family of God to the standards of God's family. And Jesus exemplified this so amazingly well. He loved all sorts of people. Jesus was the kind of person who would hang out with the prostitutes and the adulterers and the tax collectors and all the bad people that nobody else wanted to be with. And did he judge them? No. He loves them. He showed them compassion. He showed them grace and mercy. I think of the woman who was caught in adultery and she's cast before Jesus at his feet. And they ask him the question. They say, so, come on, she's been caught in the act of adultery. That point cannot be argued with. What should we do when they're ready to cast stones at her, to stone her? And Jesus' response is, so inspired and such gracious words and he says well yep you're right she does deserve to be stoned because she has done the wrong thing but who among you has not sinned if you haven't sinned you can cast the first stone and one by one from the oldest to the youngest they all drop their stones and realizing i've i've sinned i've done wrong things what right do i have to judge her until finally they all leave and jesus is there He with just the woman, and he has not sinned, so he has the right to stone her, but he chooses not to. He chooses to offer grace. He chooses to offer compassion into her world. You and I are not called to change people who are outside the family of God. We're called to point people to Jesus and to let him change them. We're supposed to love them, not correct them. And I just want to say as a quick tangent that if, if you're new to church today, if, if, if you've come here today or maybe you've been coming for a few weeks, I hope you feel loved and accepted rather than judged and rejected. If you've got stuff that you're dealing with, whether it's you know, some of the more difficult stuff like an addiction or temper problems or anger problems or whatever it is that is going on in your world, can I just say on behalf of the leadership of this church, that is okay. That is, that is fine. You are in the right place. Yeah. And can I put it toward the, the greater church? Those of you who've been here for a longer time, can, can I put it toward you? Can, can we be the kind of church that is okay? That is okay with having people who have undealt issues in their lives still coming here, feeling that they are loved and feeling that they belong, even though they haven't maybe got everything sorted out? To be okay with knowing that God is the one who will change people? God is the one who changes people. Never judge superficially. Never judge hypocritically. Never hold non-Christians to Christian standards. And number four is this. Always help restore fallen believers. Always help restore fallen believers. And this is so, so, so very important because it will be you at some point. It could be me at some point. We are all vulnerable to temptation. None of us gets it right all of the time. Not even Pastor Helen gets it right all of the time. She is human after all. It's possible. Never seen it, but it's possible. And so we are all vulnerable. 
When one of us gets it wrong, family members should love that person enough to not let them continue down that road. Family members should help that person get back on the path of righteousness. You see, we all need to be willing to help others and we all need to be willing to receive correction from others. All of us, myself included. So how should we respond when a fellow believer has fallen? Multiple choice question. A, do we gossip about that person? No. Let's, let's get a bit more vocal here. No. no. B, do we kick them when they're down? No. C, do we shoot the wounded? No. D, do we tell them that they're going to hell where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth and the worm never dies? No. E, none of the above. Yes, yes that was a trick question there, wasn't it? We don't want to be those, that sort of person, that sort of church. Let's look at Galatians chapter 6. Verse 1 says this, Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, oh, hang on, if someone is caught in a sin, who's to define whether a sin is a sin or something that somebody does is not a sin? Well, it's the Word of God, isn't it? As Christians, we believe that the Word of God tells us the right way to live. And if somebody is doing something that is contrary to the Word of God, then that's a sin. And, and as Christians who love each other, we need to be willing to call a spade a spade and to call sin for what it is, a sin. Let's not water things down. Reading on, brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person. How? How should they restore them? Gently. Gently. We are to restore a fellow believer with love and grace and patience and compassion. It goes on to say this, but watch yourselves or you also may be tempted. So we need to be careful. You see, the moment you start correcting others, there's, there's a temptation that can come into your world. And, and I'll be honest, this could be me as well. You're vulnerable to pride. It's so easy to gently come along and say, brother, there's this issue in your life. I'm not being superficial. I'm not being hypocritical. There's this issue in your life that you need to deal with. And at the same time, there's pride in my heart. Pride comes before a fall. And you don't want to fall as well. So you need to be wise. You need to have discernment or you may be tempted too. But then Paul continues talking about the family of God and about what we should do. In verse 2, he says this, Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Paul is teaching, teaching us to carry the load of a family member when they're struggling, struggling, to lovingly hold them accountable. And so when you turn a blind eye to someone who could do with your help, you're not, you're not treating them like part of the family. You're not. I would like to think that I love you enough to have the courage to offer help if you were starting to stray into sin. But on the, same side, on the other side, I would like to think that you love me enough to be willing to gracefully, without hypocrisy, without being superficial, bring correction into my life if I was being drawn away. If a family member is getting caught in sin, we, we call it sin. A spade, a spade, sin is sin. And it may not be popular in the world today, but that's what it is like for family. We be real with each other. We need to love each other enough to help each other through it. 
not shun them, not kick them while they're down, not condemn them, not gossip about them. We all sin. We all fail at some point. And we are called to gently restore them. So how do we do this? We need to do it in the same way that Jesus did. You do it in the same way that Jesus did. In John chapter 1, verse 14, it says that Jesus came in grace and truth. Grace and truth. Jesus came to earth in grace and truth. I think there's something about the order right there. Grace comes first. Grace needs to come first. Why does grace need to come first? Because it's a whole lot easier to digest. When speaking into the life of somebody else, if you offer them grace first in that, I am here for you, I absolutely love you, I am for you, I am on the same side of you, I want to see you succeed. I understand that you, none of us are perfect, myself included. When we come before somebody who needs help with grace, it builds a foundation, a foundation that truth can be put upon. I love you enough that I want to raise this issue with you because I'm concerned that you're going down a pathway that is not healthy for you, nor could it be healthy for people that are around you. There's a problem in our church world today because there are proponents that deliver a truth message without grace. They tell people that you have to do this, 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 and this, and you should not do this, 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 and this. And there's not a drip of grace embedded in what they're saying. And it, it just drives people away. Who wants to be a play, in a place where you are just continually under judgment? Not me. I'm pretty sure none of you do either. But on the flip side, there are churches that will preach the grace so hard that they lack truth and so they say god loves you so much that you can do whatever you like and everything is okay and you can believe whatever you want to believe without actually having the truth of what god's word really tells us to do really tells us how to live and so there's this balance of grace and truth when jesus came he came full of grace it's the loving kindness that draws people to repentance Loving kindness draws people to repentance. But he also came full of truth. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. They are in tension with each other, holding together grace and truth. And this is how we as Jesus followers love, other, love one another. In the same way we were forgiven, grace. And the same truth that we all need a saviour. We all need a saviour. That's truth is how we proclaim the love of God to everyone else around. I'm going to get the band up, and we're going to go back to Matthew chapter 7. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. This verse doesn't mean exactly what many people think it means. It is a warning that if we are to judge another person, then we've got to be really careful. We've got to be really careful that when we speak into the life of another person, that we're not superficial, that we have a relationship 
with them, that there's an understanding of what's been going on in their world for them to behave in such a way that doesn't sit well with you. We need to make sure that we're not being hypocritical, that this is not really an area in my own life that I haven't dealt with. Make sure it's not a flag in my own spirit that, hey, God, before I speak to this person, is there something I need to deal with first before we get into this? We need to make sure that we only speak into the life of a fellow believer and only do it if you love them enough to restore them gently in grace and in truth. How about we stand today? Because I believe that the Holy Spirit is a stirring in people's hearts and there will be people today and you're thinking about somebody maybe in your world who needs the grace and truth of God to be spoken of them, to, to bring them back to repentance. Maybe they were here a month ago and they're not here anymore. Or maybe they're in your connect group a few months ago and, and, and they just haven't come anymore. Or Maybe they're still here. Maybe they're here today. That's fine. Can I challenge you? Do you love them enough? Do you know them well enough? Do you understand their situation and circumstance well enough to be able to speak into that area of their lives it takes boldness it takes courage it takes faith it takes sensitivity and gentleness do it in grace and truth with a heart that says I want to help you and I want to restore you now if you haven't got your own issues sorted out let's get them sorted out first but we want to build a church where people are continually being drawn to Jesus rather than feeling the judgment of Christians And so I just want to spend these next few moments and invite everybody here just to let's close our eyes and bow our heads. And if you feel that you want to reach out to God, you can raise your hand right now. Because we want to get this right. We, we, we want to get this right. We don't want to be the kind of church that is known for being judgmental. We want to be the, known as the kind of church that restores people, that loves people, that encourages people. Oh, Father God. We call upon you, Lord, that you would help us to get this right. Lord, that you would give us wisdom and discernment in how we approach our fellow believers, our brothers and sisters, when there's issues that we see that need to be addressed. Give us wisdom and discernment in addressing that, Lord God. Oh, Holy Spirit, we invite you to do a work in our lives to help us to understand what we need to do to get this right. Thanks for listening to this message from Life Source Christian Church MP3 Audio Lounge. We invite you to visit us online at lifesource.org.au to find out more about our church and to also access other free resources.